0: Section Thirty of the Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Book Four, Chapter Six, A Laceration in the Cottage. He certainly was really grieved in a way he had seldom been before. He had rushed in like a fool and meddled in what—in a love affair but what do i know about it what can i tell about such things he repeated to himself for the hundredth time flushing crimson oh being ashamed would be nothing shame is the only punishment i deserve the trouble is i shall certainly have caused more unhappiness and father zossima sent me to reconcile and bring them together is this the way to bring them together then he suddenly remembered how he had tried to join their hands and he felt fearfully ashamed again though i acted quite sincerely i must be more sensible in the future he concluded suddenly and did not even smile at his conclusion katerina ivanovna's commission took him to lake street and his brother dmitri lived close by in a turning out of lake street alyosha decided to go to him in any case before going to the captain though he had a presentiment that he would not find his brother he suspected that he would intentionally keep out of his way now but he must find him anyhow time was passing the thought of his dying elder had not left alyosha for one minute from the time he set off from the monastery there was one point which interested him particularly about katerina ivanovna's commission When she had mentioned the captain's son, the little schoolboy who had run beside his father crying, the idea had at once struck Alyosha that this must be the schoolboy who had bitten his finger when he, Alyosha, asked him what he had done to hurt him. Now Alyosha felt practically certain of this, though he could not have said why thinking of another subject was a relief and he resolved to think no more about the mischief he had done and not to torture himself with remorse but to do what he had to do let come what would at that thought he was completely comforted turning to the street where dmitri lodged he felt hungry and taking out of his pocket the roll he had brought from his fathers he ate it it made him feel stronger dmitri was not at home the people of the house an old cabinet-maker his son and his old wife looked with positive suspicion at alyosha he hasn't slept here for the last three nights maybe he has gone away the old man said in answer to alyosha's persistent inquiries alyosha saw that he was answering in accordance with instructions when he asked whether he were not at grushenka's or in hiding at fomas alyosha spoke so freely on purpose all three looked at him in alarm they are fond of him they are doing their best for him thought alyosha that's good at last he found the house in lake street it was a decrepit little house sunk on one side with three windows looking into the street and with a muddy yard in the middle of which stood a solitary cow he crossed the yard and found the door opening into the passage on the left of the passage lived the old woman of the house with her old daughter both seemed to be deaf in answer to his repeated inquiry for the captain one of them at last understood that he was asking for their lodgers and pointed to a door across the passage the captain's lodging turned out to be a simple cottage room alyosha had his hand on the iron latch to open the door when he was struck by the strange hush within Yet he knew from Katerina Ivanovna's words that the man had a family. Either they are all asleep, or perhaps they have heard me coming and are waiting for me to open the door. I'd better knock first. And he knocked. An answer came, but not at once, after an interval of perhaps ten seconds. "'Who's there?' shouted someone in a loud and very angry voice. Then Alyosha opened the door and crossed the threshold he found himself in a regular peasant's room though it was large it was cumbered up with domestic belongings of all sorts and there were several people in it on the left was a large russian stove from the stove to the window on the left was a string running across the room and on it there were rags hanging there was a bedstead against the wall on each side right and left covered with knitted quilts on the one on the left was a pyramid of four print-covered pillows each smaller than the one beneath on the other there was only one very small pillow the opposite corner was screened off by a curtain or a sheet hung on a string behind this curtain could be seen a bed made up on a bench and a chair the rough square table of plain wood had been moved into the middle window the three windows which consisted each of four tiny greenish mildewy panes gave little light and were close shut so that the room was not very light and rather stuffy on the table was a frying-pan with the remains of some fried eggs a half-eaten piece of bread and a small bottle with a few drops of vodka a woman of genteel appearance wearing a cotton gown was sitting on a chair by the bed on the left Her face was thin and yellow, and her sunken cheeks betrayed at the first glance that she was ill. But what struck Alyosha most was the expression in the poor woman's eyes, a look of surprised inquiry and yet of haughty pride. And while he was talking to her husband her big brown eyes moved from one speaker to the other with the same haughty and questioning expression. Beside her at the window stood a young girl, rather plain, with scanty reddish hair, poorly but very neatly dressed. She looked disdainfully at Alyosha as he came in. Beside the other bed was sitting another female figure. She was a very sad sight, a young girl of about twenty, but hunchback and crippled with withered legs, as Alyosha was told afterwards. Her crutches stood in the corner close by the strikingly beautiful and gentle eyes of this poor girl looked with mild serenity at alyosha a man of forty-five was sitting at the table finishing the fried eggs he was spare small and weakly built he had reddish hair and a scanty light-colored beard very much like a wisp of toe this comparison and the phrase a wisp of toe flashed at once into alyosha's mind for some reason he remembered it afterwards it was obviously this gentleman who had shouted to him as there was no other man in the room but when alyosha went in he leapt up from the bench on which he was sitting and hastily wiping his mouth with the ragged napkin darted up to alyosha it's a monk come to beg for the monastery a nice place to come to the girl standing in the left corner said aloud. The man spun round instantly towards her and answered her in an excited and breaking voice. "'No, Varvara, you are wrong. Allow me to ask,' he turned again to Alyosha, "'what has brought you to—our retreat?' Alyosha looked attentively at him. It was the first time he had seen him. There was something angular, flurried, and irritable about him. Though he had obviously just been drinking, he was not drunk. There was extraordinary impudence in his expression, and yet, strange to say, at the same time there was fear. He looked like a man who had long been kept in subjection and had submitted to it, and now had suddenly turned and was trying to assert himself. Or better still, like a man who wants dreadfully to hit you, but is horribly afraid you will hit him. In his words, and in the intonation of his shrill voice, there was a sort of crazy humor, at times spiteful and at times cringing, and continually shifting from one tone to another. The question about our retreat, he had asked, as it were quivering all over, rolling his eyes, and skipping up so close to Alyosha that he instinctively drew back a step he was dressed in a very shabby dark cotton coat patched and spotted he wore checked trousers of an extremely light color long out of fashion and of very thin material they were so crumpled and so short that he looked as though he had grown out of them like a boy i am alexey karamazov alyosha began in reply i quite understand that sir the gentleman snapped out at once to assure him that he knew who he was already i am captain Snegiryov, sir but i am still desirous to know precisely what has led you oh i've come for nothing special i wanted to have a word with you if only you allow me in that case here is a chair sir kindly be seated that's what they used to say in the old comedies kindly be seated and with a rapid gesture he seized an empty chair it was a rough wooden chair not upholstered and set it for him almost in the middle of the room then taking another similar chair for himself he sat down facing alyosha so close to him that their knees almost touched nikolai ilyich Snegiryov, sir formerly a captain in the russian infantry put to shame for his vices but still a captain though i might not be one now for the way i talk For the last half of my life I've learnt to say, sir. It's a word you use when you've come down in the world." That's very true, smiled Alyosha. But is it used involuntarily or on purpose? As God's above, it's involuntary, and I usen't to use it. I didn't use the word sir all my life, but as soon as I sank into low water, I began to say, sir. It's the work of a higher power. I see you are interested in contemporary questions, but how can I have excited your curiosity, living as I do, in surroundings impossible for the exercise of hospitality?" I've come about—that business. About what business? the captain interrupted impatiently. About your meeting with my brother Dmitri Fyodorovitch, Alyosha blurted out awkwardly what meeting sir you don't mean that meeting about my wisp of toe then he moved closer so that his knees positively knocked against alyosha his lips were strangely compressed like a thread what wisp of toe muttered alyosha he is come to complain of me father cried a voice familiar to alyosha the voice of the schoolboy from behind the curtain i bit his finger just now The curtain was pulled and Alyosha saw his assailant lying on a little bed made up on the bench and the chair in the corner under the icons. The boy lay covered by his coat and an old wadded quilt. He was evidently unwell, and, judging by his glittering eyes, he was in a fever. He looked at Alyosha without fear, as though he felt he was at home and could not be touched. What, did he bite your finger? the captain jumped up from his chair was it your finger he bit yes he was throwing stones with other schoolboys there were six of them against him alone i went up to him and he threw a stone at me and then another at my head i asked him what i had done to him and then he rushed at me and bit my finger badly i don't know why i'll thrash him sir at once this minute the captain jumped up from his seat but i am not complaining at all i am simply telling you i don't want him to be thrashed besides he seems to be ill and do you suppose i'd thrash him that i would take my ilusha and thrash him before you for your satisfaction would you like it done at once sir said the captain suddenly turning to alyosha as though he were going to attack him i am sorry about your finger sir but instead of thrashing ilusha would you like me to chop off my four fingers with this knife here before your eyes to satisfy your just wrath i should think four fingers would be enough to satisfy your thirst for vengeance you won't ask for the fifth one too he stopped short with a catch in his throat every feature in his face was twitching and working he looked extremely defiant he was in a sort of frenzy "'I think I understand it all now,' said Alyosha, gently and sorrowfully, still keeping his seat. "'So your boy is a good boy. He loves his father, and he attacked me as the brother of your assailant. Now I understand it,' he repeated thoughtfully. "'But my brother Dmitri Fyodorovitch regrets his action, I know that and if only it is possible for him to come to you or better still to meet you in that same place he will ask your forgiveness before every one if you wish it after pulling out my beard you mean he will ask my forgiveness and he thinks that will be a satisfactory finish doesn't he oh no on the contrary he will do anything you like and in any way you like So if I were to ask His Highness to go down on his knees before me in that very tavern, the metropolis it's called, or in the market-place, he would do it? Yes, he would even go down on his knees. You've pierced me to the heart, sir, touched me to tears and pierced me to the heart. I am only too sensible of your brother's generosity. Allow me to introduce my family, my two daughters and my son, my litter. If I die— who will care for them, and while I live, who but they will care for a wretch like me? That's a great thing the Lord has ordained for every man of my sort, sir, for there must be some one able to love even a man like me. Ah, that's perfectly true! exclaimed Alyosha. Oh, do leave off playing the fool. Some idiot comes in and you put us to shame, cried the girl by the window, suddenly turning to her father with a disdainful and contemptuous air wait a little varvara cried her father speaking peremptorily but looking at her quite approvingly that's her character he said addressing alyosha again and in all nature there was naught that could find favor in his eyes or rather in the feminine that could find favor in her eyes but now let me present you to my wife arina petrovna she is crippled she is forty-three she can move but very little she is of humble origin arina petrovna compose your countenance this is alexey fyodorovitch karamazov get up alexey fyodorovitch he took him by the hand and with unexpected force pulled him up you must stand up to be introduced to a lady it's not the karamazov mamma who hmm, etc but his brother radiant with modest virtues come arina petrovna come mamma first your hand to be kissed and he kissed his wife's hand respectfully and even tenderly the girl at the window turned her back indignantly on the scene an expression of extraordinary cordiality came over the haughtily inquiring face of the woman good morning sit down mr tchernomazov she said karamazov mamma karamazov we are of humble origin he whispered again well karamazov or whatever it is but i always think of tchernomazov sit down why has he pulled you up he calls me crippled but i am not only my legs are swollen like barrels and i am shrivelled up myself once i used to be so fat but now it's as though i had swallowed a needle we are of humble origin the captain muttered again oh father father the hunchback girl who had till then been silent on her chair said suddenly and she hid her eyes in her handkerchief buffoon blurted out the girl at the window have you heard our news said the mother pointing at her daughters it's like clouds coming over the clouds pass and we have music again when we were with the army we used to have many such guests i don't mean to make any comparisons every one to their taste the deacon's wife used to come then and say alexander alexandrovitch is a man of the noblest heart but nastasia petrovna she would say is of the brood of hell well i said that's a matter of taste but you are a little spitfire and you want keeping in your place says she you black sword said i who asked you to teach me but my breath says she is clean and yours is unclean you ask all the officers whether my breath is unclean and ever since then i had it in my mind not long ago i was sitting here as i am now when i saw that very general come in who came here for easter and i asked him your excellency said i can a lady's breath be unpleasant yes he answered you ought to open a window-pane or open the door for the air is not fresh here and they all go on like that and what is my breath to them the dead smell worse still i won't spoil the air said i i'll order some slippers and go away my darlings don't blame your own mother Nikolai Ilyich, how is it i can't please you there's only ilusha who comes home from school and loves me yesterday he brought me an apple forgive your own mother forgive a poor lonely creature why has my breath become unpleasant to you and the poor mad woman broke into sobs and tears streamed down her cheeks the captain rushed up to her "Mamma, mamma, my dear give over you are not lonely everyone loves you everyone adores you he began kissing both her hands again and tenderly stroking her face taking the dinner napkin he began wiping away her tears alyosha fancied that he too had tears in his eyes there you see you hear he turned with a sort of fury to alyosha pointing to the poor imbecile i see and hear muttered alyosha father father how can you with him let him alone cried the boy sitting up in his bed and gazing at his father with glowing eyes "'Do give over fooling, showing off your silly antics which never lead to anything,' shouted Varvara, stamping her foot with passion. "'Your anger is quite just this time, Varvara, and I'll make haste to satisfy you. Come, put on your cap, Alexey Fyodorovitch, and I'll put on mine. We will go out. I have a word to say to you in earnest, but not within these walls. This girl sitting here is my daughter Nina. I forgot to introduce her to you.' She is a heavenly angel incarnate who has flown down to us mortals, if you can understand. There he is shaking all over as though he is in convulsions, Varvara went on indignantly. And she there stamping her foot at me and calling me a fool just now, she is a heavenly angel incarnate too, and she has good reason to call me so. Come along, Alexey Fyodorovitch, we must make an end and, snatching Alyosha's hand, he drew him out of the room, into the street. End of section 30